We're doing a little ancient language exercise now. You'll see why in just a few moments. So we're going to start again with, with, with hello. So we're all going to say shalom. shalom. Oh, it's so nice. Then we're going to say good morning. Boker tov. Boker tov. That's nice. Nice and soft. Very good. And then we're going to say welcome because we might have some people here that we haven't met before and we want to make sure they feel welcome. We're going to say Baruch Haba. And we're going to say Ha. I wish I knew the word for awesome because if I did, you'd be it. We're going to dive right in this morning, diving into scripture. That's a good place to dive, right? We're going to start at Exodus chapter 3, just a few verses there, and then uh, uh, you may have seen already on the screen that we're going to be looking also at Zechariah chapter 14. So if you're on the Bible app, you have your Bible with you, and, and uh, only a few verses that we're going to read together, but I'm going to, referring, going to be referring to a number of passages of Scripture, so if you're note-taking or mark it, bookmarking, uh, you'll want to have your ears open because uh, we have a lot of uh, ground to cover and uh, wanted to give you some of that background of the Hebrew because uh, we're, I'm going to be explaining some things to you that I think will help to enlighten and brighten some scriptures that you may already be somewhat familiar with. So going right into uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, and as I said, you, if you're not using the KJV, your version might be a little different, but that's where I chose to read from these ancient uh, scripts. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say to them, The God of your fathers hath sent me uh, unto you, or unto them, and, uh, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And then if you drop down to the 14th verse, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. That's a funny name, isn't it? And what shall I say your name is? And God said, what did he say? I am that I am. Hold that thought. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Down at Zechariah 14, uh, starting at verse 9, and this is something we're going to refer to a little later, so I'd like you to hold this thought. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. So I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, what's that name? Names in the Bible have particular meaning, every one of them. Biblical names often show the character of the one who possesses that name. Several times you'll find that as God changes the character of a man, he changes the name of the man uh, to fit his new character. Uh, one of the greatest examples that comes to mind, for almost everybody would cite it, is Jacob. Jacob is a great example. His name means supplanter or deceiver, a name he lived up to when he supplanted his own brother Esai, cheated him and his father, and uh, really did a number. And, and, and um, I, his father Isaac really didn't know the difference. But when he wrestled with God, 
Jacob got a hold of God and God got a hold of him and God changed his character and God renamed him. Now he's no longer Jacob. From henceforth, he will be called Israel. And what does Israel mean? It means a, pri a prince with God or peace with God or power with God. Quite a difference. Now, it's a principle that's found throughout the Bible. It doesn't end with the names of mankind. Even if you want to use the name of Satan, so to speak, in the book of Job, there's Satan standing before God, and he's, uh, he's uh, debating God, if you will, or he's accusing Job. No wonder the name Satan carries with it one of these meanings, accuser of the brethren. Hmm. Biblical names reveal the nature and character of the one named. I'm going to repeat that if you're note-taking. Biblical names reveal the nature and the character of the one named. You might want to file that away. We call that FFR for future reference. After the fall of man, after the flood, we find a people in the Bible who didn't know God, didn't know God at all. And uh, little by little, God began to reveal himself as a great power to mankind. And they began to call on him. And one way God showed uh, man his character was by names. Now, in our opening text, Moses asked God his name. God answered with the Hebrew name, uh, which is I am that I am. It means the all-sufficient one or the self-reliant one. In Genesis, God is called Yahweh or Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Jireh. Some of you have heard that before. That's the God who provides. Uh, when Abraham said God would provide a lamb instead of his son Isaac being the sacrifice, that was Jehovah Jireh. In Exodus, God is called Yahweh Rophekha, the God who heals. In Leviticus, he is Elohim Kedoshim, the holy God, meaning he is pure, he is spotless, he is perfect, and he's free from sin. In Deuteronomy, he's called Elohe Kedem, the God of the beginning, the one who is before all things, in all things, made all things. He's also called Elohe Elohim, which is the God of gods. This is properly translated as the God who is above all gods, all spirits, all angels, and all beings of heaven. He is the God of gods, Elohe Elohim. In the Psalms, he is called Elohe Chasdi, C-H-A-S-D-I, the God of kindness. Elohe Mosi, the God of my strength. Uh, Psalm 46, Elohe Yishi, the God of my salvation, Elohe Tehelati, the God of my praise, and Yahweh Osenu, the Lord our Maker. All of these Hebrew names have a direct, uh, uh, make a direct reference to the character of God in certain situations. Isaiah the prophet calls him Elohe Mishpat, the God of justice. In Jeremiah, he's called Elohe Kol uh, Beser, the God of all flesh. See, he created not just everything on earth, but all life in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and under, under the sea and under the earth and wherever anything is living that was created by our God. 
Jeremiah calls him Elohe Mikarov, the God who is always near. Ezekiel calls him Yahweh Mkadesh, the Lord who makes holy. The book of Judges calls him Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. And he is Elohe She'im, the God of life. So God in the Old Testament has many names. Did you know how many names he had? Yeah, many, many. And each name reveals, uh, it reveals part of the nature and or part of the character of God himself. Though, uh, though they are names of God, they are not the name of God. Stay with me. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah in, uh, in Judges 13, the father of Samson, and he promised him uh, Samson uh, would be born. And in Judges 13, 17, just for reference, let me read. Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, Well, what is thy name? Well, that, that when thy sayings come to pass, we can give you honor. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why ask you my name, seeing it is secret? So we know that the angel of the Lord is, when the Bible says the angel of the Lord, that is none other than a manifestation of God himself. Because Manoah said this to his wife, down in verse 22, just five verses later, he said, we shall surely die because we have seen God. And he would not tell them his name. Jacob had a similar experience with God when God renamed him Israel. It's in Genesis 32, 24 uh, to 32 or uh, 30. And Jacob was left alone, and he wrestled with a man until the break of day, and he saw that he couldn't prevail against this man. Uh, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go, for this day breaks. And he said, I can't let you go, except you bless me. And he said to him, What's your name? And he said, I'll not let you go. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. As a prince hast thou power with God and with men and prevailed. And Jacob asked them and said, tell me, I pray thee, your name. And he said, wherefore is it that, or why is it that you keep asking my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. Zechariah said, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name, one, one, one. The day was coming, and the day is coming, and the day is almost here, where God is revealing his nature, his character to the world around, even though they're not paying attention, little by little by little. And one day, the Lord will be king over all the earth, and his name, according to the prophet Zechariah, shall be one, one God, and only one God. And one day, 2,000 years ago, that prophecy really happened. An angel came to Joseph in a dream, and he said, don't worry about the fact that Mary is with child, because this is not an ordinary child. This is a gift of God. This is a special child. If you go to Matthew chapter 1, start at verse 21, you'll read. And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall be, bring forth a, child, a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus means Yahweh, Jehovah, God is salvation. And when he was about 30 years old, he began to live up to this name. He was, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Who had, God who had been separated, think of it, from mankind by the sin of the world, by the sin of humans, was now with us. God with us. Say that with me. It's such a sweet phrase. God with us. And up until this time, you have to know, God was not with the human race. He was not identifying. He was not reconnected. And now it's all going to happen. No more separation from mankind. It's Elohe Mikarath, the God who is near. Then you go to John's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 56. It says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. Then said he, the Jews unto him, unto Jesus, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Love this. Before Abraham was, I am. I am. Hmm. You see, Jesus is the I am. He began working miracles among the people. He proved himself. He turned water into wine at a wedding feast. That was the first miracle. He was Yahweh Nisi, the God of miracles. You just keep adding to this list of the names of God because of all the things that he did and all the things that he said. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, Jesus was more than just a man. He was more than just a prophet. He was more than just a religious figure of an old religion. He was Emmanuel, God with us. When he opened the eyes of the blind and he healed all matter of diseases, he was Yahweh, Ropekna, the God who heals. You go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 25 uh, to 27. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. How many have ever heard that story before? Okay, I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that you've never heard the underlying significance. And if you have, don't give it away. You'll spoil my sermon. The woman had tried everything, and nothing had helped, and nothing had worked. The Bible says now she's bankrupt. No money, no hope. She was unclean under the Levitical law. But when she saw Jesus, something stirred within her. Somehow she knew he was more than a man. He was more than a prophet. He was more than a religious leader. Somehow she felt in her innermost being, this is the one. He's the answer. The crowds were all around Jesus. You can kind of picture it, can't you? But she kept pressing and pressing and pressing. And finally she got in close to him, thinking if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she would be made whole. 
Under the Levitical law, all Israelite males wore a talit. Who knows what a talit is? Okay. A talit is a prayer shawl. You've seen uh, Jewish people with the talit on? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a shawl with blue borders. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a little historical hint. How many know what the, uh, the flag of the nation of Israel looks like? Okay. Yeah. You know how they designed that? They spread out the talent and they added the Star of David. They'll always be blue. Always be blue on the Israeli flag. And I'll tell you why sometime. So there's the talent. You may not see it there in the front, but you can see down the sides. There are little, um, what do we call those on the borders there? Tassels, thank you. In Jewish, they're called zitzits. In Jewish, they're called zitzits. Oh, I thought somebody thought it was funny. Um, Your garments, the tassels on your garments aren't funny. You don't laugh at stuff like that. You laugh when I tell a joke, but not at the zitzits. Okay. Somebody's still laughing. You're going to have to be put out <laughs> of your misery. Um, so they wore, they wore the, uh, the talent. It has, it has the, t- the tassels there. And Jesus wore a garment like that. And the woman said, if I could touch the garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, and that's where the tassels were. Now, here's what's significant about that. At the corner, you've got those tassels. And tradition tells us that the Jews used these tassels much like we use checks today. Stay with me. They wove their names into the tassels. And when buying something, they would place the tassels into clay, almost like a signet, okay? Leaving their imprint or the imprint of their name. It's the forerunner of the chip. That was funny. Okay. Man. This is, talk about a backward crowd. They laugh at seat seats and they don't get that one. Jesus wore such a garment. And the woman said, listen to this. I said all that and you think it's foolish, but listen to this. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. What garment? The talent. That's the outer garment, the prayer shawl. Could it be that when she reached out and touched the hem of that garment, she got a hold of his name? And the moment she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. So there's more than just reaching out and touching Jesus. There's a whole world of significance in the hem of that garment and the tassels on the hem. The name of Yahweh Nisi, the God of miracles, the name of Yahweh Ropeka, the God who heals, is none other than the name that is above every name. That's the all-powerful, glorious, holy, exalted name, the name at which every knee one day is going to bow. Every knee. Things in heaven, things under the heaven, every principality, every power. What a powerful name. What a beautiful name. You like that song? Yeah. Mark 4, 32, there arose a great, great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship. It's really nice when the boat's in the water. It's not so nice when the water's in the boat. Mm. And the waves beat into the ship. 
Mark says. So that's now full. He's in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And they feared and said one to another, What manner of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Now listen. What manner of man is this? They're still asking. They're still trying to figure this out. They're still trying to solve the equation. Who is Jesus and who is this man? Listen, he's more than a man. The God who made the heavens and the seas, the Spirit of God incarnate, the same Spirit that moved upon the face of the waters on the first day of creation, Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace, spoke to that raging storm. It must have been a terrible storm. It upset 12 men, Men who knew the sea, and some of them were professional fishermen. And they're scared out of their wits. I think it must have been like a hurricane. They thought they were going to die. And Yahweh Shalom rose up from where he'd been sleeping, looked calmly at the raging storm, his voice peering, uh, piercing the, the rolling thunder and the crashing waves, commanding peace. <laughs> Be still. And when the God of peace speaks in the storm, speaks to the storms, they, they obey. They obey. One moment the storms are raging, the next moment the wind fell silent, the sea went calm as glass, the rain stopped falling, the dark clouds parted because the name of the God of peace, Yahweh Shalom, is Jesus. When a blind man came to Jesus... Jesus formed clay from the dust of the ground using his own spit. Remember the story? And he put it on the man's eyes. You ask, why did he do this? <laughs> he did this. This is unbelievable. He did this because he had once formed an entire man out of clay <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. Hello? Hello? Hi? You with me? At best, that's all we are, a little clump of clay. And by the way, that's what we're going back to physically. He is Yahweh Osenu, the Lord our maker. He told the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he did, the man's eyes were healed. See, the man's old eyes didn't work. So Yahweh Osenu, the Lord our maker, made him another set of eyes. I'm sorry you don't like that story, but I was laughing in my study when I kept going over these notes. And every time I hit it, matter of fact, I wrote in there and read, can hardly read it now, laughter. That's a point where I was breaking up. I didn't know if I could tell the story. And I thought, people hear this, they're going to go nut crazy. Yeah, well. <laughs> Should have fed them first. 
Man. You know, if Scripture doesn't excite you to some point, some visible point, I really, I'm concerned about you. No, 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 I'm not telling a joke. I am. If you can pick up your Bible and read a story like that, and then get the explanation of these stories I've just told you, the wind and the storm, huh? The woman being healed, what all that means, the hem of the garment, the, the new eyes with the clay, why is that significant? Man, you can't feel that. I don't know. You've got to get your feeler checked. Something's... When a leper came to him, I'm going to try one more. <laughs> Not a leopard, a leper. A man unclean, a man unholy completely under the Levitical law. A man to be shunned by all society. Always kept outside the city, couldn't be touched, couldn't touch others without making them unholy too. He came to Jesus and he fell at his feet crying, Lord, I love what he asked him, if you will, you can make me clean. You know what I always say when I read that? The if wasn't on Jesus, the if was on him. You say, I, I know people who will pray that. Well, Lord, if you can help me. The if isn't on him. The if is on you. And so he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. And he says, if you can, if you will, make me clean. Oh, my. So when they, a lot of people around, and when they saw that, they just, they just backed off. They were revolted. And they knew if they touched them, they too would be made unholy. Leprosy in that day, any day, but that day especially, was a terrible, terrible, terrible disease. And so people backed off. They didn't want to even be near it. It was a disease that kept a man from others. It kept him from his family. From the, he couldn't go to the temple. He couldn't go to the Feast of Israel. He couldn't go to the barbecue after church. He couldn't... He couldn't go to worship. I mean, he just couldn't. But Jesus touched him. And there at that moment, something happened that has never, had never happened before. Please hear me here. In the history of the world, that which was holy touched that which was unholy. Hear me. And the unholy thing was made holy. It should have been just the other way around. But Jesus was more than just a man. Yahweh Makedesh, the God who makes us holy. Think of it. The holy initiated this. Touch the unholy. And the unholy became holy. Wow. Wow. Lazarus. How many ever heard of him? I love his story. Hey, he's the brother of Mary Martha, friend of Jesus. They're very close. Lazarus, John chapter 11, if you're looking at. He was very, 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 very close to Jesus. Very close friend. But he died. Jesus arrived on the scene. So far as everyone was concerned, too late to do any good. But you see, Jesus might not come when you expect him to get there, but he's never late. With him, there's no time. You say, well, he got here, but no. But everybody around thought, well, you made it here to Bethany, but so you're a little late. 
Martha fell at his feet weeping, saying, Lord, if, don't we say if a lot? Especially when it comes to God things. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, (laughs) Jesus said, Martha, I am. He likes that name, doesn't he? I am the resurrection and the life. So Mary shows up. Jesus asked where they had laid uh, Lazarus' body. So he went with them to the tomb and he ordered the men there, roll away the stone from the tomb. Martha said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. By now, um, yeah, he's smelly. He smells of decay. That's another way of saying he stinks. And as they rolled away the stone, I guess the stench of death would have filled the air. Lazarus was truly dead. His body was already decaying. Surely it was too late. Jesus was the resurrection of the life. He was uh, uh, Elohe Cheim, the God of life. He stood there ignoring the stench of decay, ignoring the unbelief of those watching. And he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Had he, the God of life, not said the name of Lazarus? Every dead body in that burying place, no matter how long decayed, would have sprung to life. You ever wonder why he called the name? That's why. He is the resurrection and the life, the God of life. He told John over in the Revelation, he said, I am, he likes that name, doesn't he? I am he that liveth and was dead. (laughs) And behold, I am. He likes that name, doesn't he? Alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. The name of Elohai Chaim, the God of life, is Jesus. They brought to him a woman taken in the very act of adultery. They told Jesus they were trying to trick him. That all the Levitical law had been totally uh, 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 broken and uh, she should be stoned to death. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Hey, God is a God of justice. Elohim Mishpot, God of justice. The woman cowered before him, humiliated, ashamed, afraid of what's going to happen next. She lay there, her sin revealed for all the world to see. There she is at the foot of the God of justice. But, 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 but whoa, whoa, whoa. The, the God of justice is also Elohe Selikot, the God of forgiveness. And Jesus said, well, okay, okay, let's settle the matter. He of you who is without sin cast the first stone. One by one ashamed, they started leaving the presence of Jesus, the God of justice. There was only one there who was without sin. You ever think of that? He could have picked up all the stones within sight and thrown there because he was without without sin. He had the right to do that. But that day, Elohe Mishpat, the God of justice, was also Elohe Selishat, the God of forgiveness. He's also the God of gods. When he spoke, demons fled. Angels had to obey the mere mention of his name, demons flee. At the mention of his name, devils tremble. Why? Because he's the God of gods. 
Jesus, this wonderful Jesus, our Lord, has delivered us from the power of sin. And we should have the attitude of Mary of Bethany. Oh, she took a jar filled with expensive perfumes. She took that perfume oil and she broke it. And she anointed Jesus, his, his hands and his feet. Simon, the, who, who was the host of the party, didn't anoint him. And that would have been his job. But she did it, weeping. She washed his feet with her tears. She dried them with her hair. Why? Because Mary knew who she, he was. And the Pharisees didn't know who was in their midst. They had no clue. But she knew this is more than just a man. This Jesus is much more than just a good teacher. And I want to say to you this morning, wherever you are, whatever your lot in life, whatever your position and however secure you feel, you may not want to praise him. You may not want to esteem him worthy of honor and praise, but I do. And I'll never make excuse for that. He is Elohe Teheladi, the God of my praise. And his name is Jesus. I only pray that you know him. I only pray that, and if you don't, I pray this, that this would be a great day, my friend, for you to come to him by faith, simply confessing and believing and trusting him as your Savior. Acts 4.12 says this, there is ne uh, neither is there any salvation or salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What's that name? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's pictured everywhere. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. And in Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. And in Leviticus, he's our high priest. And in Numbers, he's the fire by night. And in Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. And in Joshua, he's salvation's choice. And in Judges, he's the great lawgiver. He is, he is, he is. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. Kings and Chronicles, he is sovereign. In Ezra, he's the true faithful servant. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the walls, and he's also the rebuilder of lives. And in Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. And in Job, he's the timeless redeemer. And in the Psalms, he's our morning song. And in Proverbs, he's a wisdom's cry. And in Ecclesiastes, he's the time and the season. And in the Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. He is, he is, he is. He is. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. Huh? Who's that fourth man anyway? Huh? Who's that? We put three in there, and there are four in there. I swear, count them. In Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the Spirit's power. In Amos, he's the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he's the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, he's the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he is pleading for revival. In Haggai, he's the restorer of a lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's our fountain. And in Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. 
rising with healing in his wings. He is. He is. He is. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is God, man, Messiah, and king. In the book of Acts, he is fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he's freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In uh, Thessalonians, he's our coming king. In Timothy and Titus and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he's the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our shepherd. In John and in Jude, he's the lover coming for his bride. And in the Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who lives and reigns the only one true and living God of eternity forever and ever and ever. To him be glory. He is, he is, he is the Prince of peace, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God, the Great I Am, the Alpha and Omega, our God, our Savior. He is Jesus Christ the Lord, and when time is no more, He still is. Amen. He is only the one and only, one and only, without equal, greatest man ever to live on earth. He had no servants, but they called him master. He had no degree, but they called him teacher. He had no medicines, but they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He had no, he won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He's buried in a tomb, yet he lives today and will, along with all who love him, ever loved him, ever trusted him for their salvation. They will live with him and his heavenly home forever and forever and forever world without end. Amen. What's that name? Jesus. His name is Jesus. Pray with me. Hey, for a few quiet seconds, would you join me just where you are in a prayer posture, whatever that is, would you join me just meditating on the person of Jesus? Jesus. who he is, what he means to you, maybe something you've learned about him today, you never know, you never know, but just meditate on Jesus. Just let your mind kind of for a few seconds get off anything else that's pressing, and I know we have a lot of pressing stuff. Thank you so much. Let me pray. Thank you, God, that you love us so much with an everlasting love that you sent Jesus to be our Savior. 
We don't have to ask where would we be without him today. We know exactly where we'd be or where we'd be heading. Sometimes we sing songs like our hope is in you. Lord, I hope we sing those songs because our hope is in you. Thank you for Jesus. He's so much more than we could ever describe. He's so much more than we could ever detail, but he wants to be not just Lord of the universe, he wants to be our personal Lord, to walk with us and talk with us and direct us and lead us and just on his time show us his will and his way. Love the words of that song. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Because Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Let nothing else cloud that vision, that dream, that connection that we're making even right now with the Lord Jesus. And Heavenly Father, please accept our thanks for letting him be here, that one who has that beautiful name. May we just continually lift it up in his name. Amen.